fact that her bread was also served with a warm tomato salsa. In my notes, I just wrote, so a pizza. Welcome to Half Baked, the first, best, and only podcast about the Great British Bake Off. I am one of your hosts, Megan Reynolds. And I'm your other co-host, Alex Jung. So yes. Megan, hi Megan. Hi Alex. What's this pile of crumbs that you that you left uh, next to me? I was very hungry, so I went to the Le Pain Quotidien. Uh-huh. Is that and, how you say it? Yeah, that's exactly, because I'm French. Ah, got it. And uh, I got, I think, what was a cheese Danish. It was flat, but it had the consistency of those, like, coffee cart croissants, which you know come from Costco in, like, a big flat sheet, and I think those are, those are like, one of my favorite things. You, you don't think that Paul Hollywood would be a little disappointed Paul would have, like, thrown it at my face and then, like, left. <laughs> he would have, like, broken my nose possibly a collarbone, and then left. He would have given you his, like, uh, his husky look. Oh, his, <laughs> his like, husky dog on the attack, yeah. on the offensive look. Yeah. yeah, it would have been really bad. Um, but I ate it in five seconds because that's what happens when you don't eat breakfast. Everybody should always eat breakfast. Well, this is a perfect segue into sure the third is. episode, That's right. which is bread. Yay, bread, carbs. Um, and uh, like last time, we have a very special guest. We do. Um, her name is Sydney Dempsey, and she works for Klaus Meyer. And before that, she worked for High Street, mm-hmm. and then um, Dominique Ansel, who of course is the maker of the magical cronut. The cronut man. Yeah. They're disgusting. Heard it here first. <laughs> Not that good. Okay, cool. Hey, Sydney. Hello. This episode was about bread, and I feel like the bread episode is always one of the most exciting but also confounding ones. Yeah, because it's about magic. It is about magic. Bread is different. It's so... <laughs> I think that's why people are so confused by it, is because it's not just, like, put these ingredients together and put it in the oven. It's about, you know, learning to understand yeast and how it affects things and how it's affected by temperature and humidity and all of these environmental factors versus just like combining all the rest things on a recipe and, and mm. baking it. So I think people get overwhelmed because it's different, mm. but it's not particularly complicated. It's just about understanding kind of the basic principles of, of how it works and how it all goes together. So what are the basic principles of how to make a good bread? I mean, bread in general only has flour, water, salt, and then a leaven, either like store-bought yeast or a sourdough. It feels living in some way. It is living. I think it's weird that it starts off one size, becomes another size, and then you put it in a hot thing. Right. And then you eat it. So I guess you're right. Yeah. It's like magic. magic. Just like. <laughs> or a Pokemon. Or similar. Your face. Similar. My fa- we don't have to talk about them right now. <laughs> don't bring that into this, please. It's embarrassing. So this signature challenge, in addition to being a quick bread, was to make two free-form loaves. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be of any flavor that they desire. Right. It could be sweet, but most of them tend to do savory. I there think. are a couple of weird sweet ones that we will get to. Right. Ugna, my favorite. God, the worst. <laughs> um, and then they, and so they had one and a half hours to do that. And my question is, is that enough time? Yeah, the thing with quick breads is because you don't need to proof it, and it's just this reaction from chemicals, it happens quite fast, that's why it's... Hence the name. So the reaction is like instantaneous. Instantaneous, yeah. So it's always, if you like make your quick bread and then you sit it out for like an hour, it will be substantially worse than if you just like put it straight in the oven and bake it right away. Oh, Um, so it will react and then it'll start to sink back down again and it gets this like flat, dense. So yeah, one of the specifications for this challenge was not, not in a baking tin, not in any sort of 
mold. So why is free is making a, I guess making a good loaf of bread free form harder than if you had like a little like a tin to put it in? Yes, because a tin will give bread structure, and so if you overmix it or if you add too much buttermilk, it will still like hold up and it'll still be a nice loaf of bread. Got it. Better. So right. one very nitpicky question that I have was Matt was making a jalapeno cheddar and smoked salt soda bread. Yes. And then Paul Hollywood, with his steely gaze, mm -hmm. asked him if he was going to cut it or slice it. And I didn't know. And then Mary Mary was like, what's the difference? I don't know. <laughs> so maybe that was Paul just being a dong. I mean, he might just be trolling you. Like, I mean, playing mindings. That's, he is the Tom Colicchio of this show. Right. You, so when you bake it in the oven, like, it's going to create this skin on the outside that dries out faster than everything on the inside. So the cuts are supposed to, like, give it room to expand. What were some of your favorite uh, breads from this round? Well, I liked Alvin's bread, Me where too. he made a prosciutto, manchego, and balsamic onion quick bread. It sounded like a charcuterie plate in a bread. <laughs> that feels like a lot of look. The other one I did love was Ian's uh, wild garlic Pesto. Oh God! I think it was well. I mean, you know, I I am a sucker for the farmers market, and I do yeah. love that brief period where you get ramps. Yeah, that's, that's what true. they look like. Mm -hmm. And just the bright green color of them when he like cut into them. Yeah. I was like, no, was... I bet that tastes fucking fantastic. I'm sure it's delicious. It was pretty, but he's also a little bit of a twat now. Sure. Like foraging sure. Is it like, annoying that he like goes in his backyard and like brings things? Got the rosemary that one time. But you know what? That's legit too. I respect it. I respect the game. A lot of kitchens will work with like mushroom foragers, or like mm. I worked with this guy for a long time at High Street who would like go out and pick like mint and hickory and like all kinds of stuff and like bring it and be like, oh my god, I have all this mint. And they're like, I don't know what to do with the trash <laughs> bag of mint. <laughs> That's so much mint. If you, if you were to make a quick bread for this episode, what would you have made? I would have gone super traditional. Um, you know, my parents are Irish immigrants, and we grew up with like quick breads with dried fruit, which is like mm -hmm. soda bread, which is a very like traditional Irish thing. So I would have done something like that. I appreciate that. I like that tactic because I feel like when you go nuts, like two of them, Nadia and Matt, both made weird like Mexican influenced breads. As a soda bread, I am. Nadia loves her spice. You know? She does. She's trying to put some cayenne into things. Which I think is fine. I'm sure it tasted good, but I just can't imagine a soda bread with... This is the immigrant experience. Right? I am well aware. Thank you. <laughs> the fact that her bread was also served with a warm tomato salsa. In my notes, I just wrote, so a pizza. Basically, <laughs> a pizza. And I love Nadia. I think her face reflects the human condition at all times. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. But she also made what was basically like a fucking pizza without any cheese on it. But they liked it. They liked so, it. So, you know, there's a reason they're we, on the show and I'm Well, not. we should talk about Ugne's chocolate quick bread oh, with caramelized pecans. What, what is that? Are, are sweet quick breads common? No. I mean, a lot of quick breads have fruit in them, like dried fruit. That's kind of the traditional way to go, but not chocolate. But like, I, I've never really seen that before, and I don't... I didn't know about that one. I love this technical challenge. The shadiest technical... I think this is the shadiest technical challenge in all of Bake Off history. A baguette is all about having that crisp on the outside. This one here, it's got a nice... Good crust. And you get that by using steam in the oven. See, the structure's very irregular. It's not like a tin bread. It's not tight little air holes. It's open, it's chewy, it's crispy. Mm. 
If you've never made a baguette before, shaping it consistently and evenly can be incredibly tough. Um, and we have, I mean, we work with professional bakers all day, they'll mess up tons of baguettes. So to have a bunch of amateurs out there trying to make baguettes, like, my hat's off to them. That's not, <laughs> not an easy challenge. Have you suggested that they create steam in the oven? No. I expect them to know how to get a great crust on bread. One of the other things I'll be looking for is whether it's proved enough. Take it too early and pop it in the oven, it will split down the side. I really think you have been <laughs> particularly nasty on this one. Mary, we're looking for the best amateur bakers in the country. And I think this is a really tough challenge. So first they have to proof the first batch of dough in a plastic container. Yeah. And then they have to decide whether to put it in the oven on the proving setting in the proving drawer or just on their counter? Yeah, I have so many questions and about that. I didn't mainly, know like, why. But it was like a choose your own adventure thing, but mm -hmm. clearly there were some mistakes that were made. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess like the difference between like, an oven's proofing setting will generally be like quite hot for what you want for proofing. Because proofing is just bacteria like activating and, and like eating up sugar. Uh -huh. Okay. So when it gets too hot, like it dies because that's mm. what happens to things that are alive. Um, that's true. I would not want to be in an oven. Proving drawers. Proving drawers are kind of in between like room temperature and oven temp. You know, they're like nice and warm and they tend to be very humid, um, which helps yeast. Yeast likes it when it's humid, like a tropical rainforest kind of. Kind of like how it is outside right now. Right now, yes. Yeah. Just like that. That's a okay. proving drawer. That's like ideal proofing. St so New York City, as we speak, is basically it's a, giant a proving drawer, which is awful. What were some of the mistakes that you felt like you saw happening with the baguettes? Um, I mean, proofing is always like the biggest issue, I feel like, in undermixing, especially with baguettes. Um, so either not kneading it enough or not proofing it long enough. But, like traditionally, bread was baked in like big ceramic ovens um, that hold heat from, from like fire. You like dump all your logs in there and build it up and it like holds all the heat for a long time. And it also holds moisture really well. So when you dump all the bread in there, it like has all this moisture that it like steams into it. Bakers, when they bake at home, will use Dutch ovens because they trap steam really well. Oh. oh. So you'll bake a bread in a Dutch oven instead yeah. of like on a sheet or whatever. Yeah, I saw that on a, on a recipe thing on the New York Times once. Oh, really? Yeah, I tried it, but it didn't turn out right. Oh, well, yeah. How, what, how'd that go? Not well. No? Yeah. Okay. So a lot, one of the things I noticed that Paul was doing in the weird interstitial when he and Mary like talk about what it should look like is he was sort of thumping it to see if it sounded hollow. Yeah. That's so that's like a hallmark of like a good baguette. That's a hallmark of a good bread that's like baked all the way through. I think out of all the things that happened on this episode, the showstopper challenge was insane. It was delightful. The showstopper challenge, they had to make 3D bread sculptures. They had to use three different types of dough and one of those breads needed to be filled. Yes. One probably needed to be yeasted. I, I don't think there was a, the I think it was just three different types of dough and one had to be filled with some. Right, and they had five hours to do so. Yes. Um, that sounds ridiculous. Um, my first question is, how often, have you ever made a 3D bread sculpture? Never. Have you ever <laughs> seen anyone in your professional career do so? I have not, no. Well, I'm making a Easter basket. I'm going to fill it with truffle-infused brioche bunnies. Coat them with the maple syrup frosting. Truffle with maple frosting as well. Yeah, and crispy bacon bits on top. It tastes amazing. Ugne's unique Easter bake will also include a coffee and cardamom woven basket, plus brioche bread roses filled with prunes. <laughs> it's one of those things, it's wait and see. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> OK, so Tamal made 
a bicycle and the wheels of the bicycle were flat, but that's because they were made of Chelsea buns. And as per Wikipedia, it's, it's a yeasted bun with lemon peel, cinnamon, or mixed spice, and then you roll it into a square spiral shape. And then, oh, so it's basically, it looks, what, is that like a cinnamon roll? Pretty much. It looks, give or take, like a cinnamon roll. Because a couple of like them Like a make, Cinnabon. Like a cin- which are delicious. <laughs> you and Louis C.K. I love it. They're so good. When is the last time you had one? They're amazing. I don't remember, honestly. That's not, well, try, next time. Okay. They're really fucking good. <laughs> next episode, bring me a Cinnabon. I, I don't even know where I can find one in New York, honestly. At the airport. Penn Station, <laughs> yes. I love Penn Station. Just kidding. No one, literally no one loves Penn Station. Um, so, all right. What what were some of your other favorites, Alex? Aside from, um, uh, well, one that I would love to talk about is Dorette's Unmade Bed. Oh, Jesus. Dorette's taking inspiration from artist Tracy Emin's Unmade Bed. Her sculpture will feature a raisin and fennel headboard, a mattress stuffed with marzipan and glacé cherries, and an enriched dough duvet. I love this one. <laughs> Because the original inspiration of it, as they sort of mentioned, was Tracy Emin's uh, piece, which was in the Tate Gallery, and it was basically a disgusting bed. Like a filthy, there were like pantyhose on it, there's like period panties on the ground. Right, right. And it was from a depressive period that she had, and she was recreating that for the museum. Right. And it's a hugely significant piece of work. I love that that is the inspo for for a bread sculpture. But I just don't understand, like, out of all of the things she's done, it's like, because she even had, if you notice at the end, she even had little, like, they, there was, like, a little pair of underwear on the ground, on, like, the floor, and there were, like, some weird white squiggles that were, I think, meant to represent, like, crumpled tissue. Or something. It was I so fucking some weird. Darkness in her. I don't understand. Well, the other thing that confused me is that she didn't practice for this. Right, right, right. Everyone else very clearly like put a shitload of time and effort into practicing for this like ridiculous thing that they're going to be asked to do. And she was like, "I'm going to use this weird piece of modern art to as my inspiration for something that should be like a fucking Easter bunny." like holding a carrot all made out of bread and instead yeah you know but i love that i love someone doing something weird and swinging for the fence and like right kind of mixing something that is actually disgusting and right. making it the, the problem was execution here right mm-hmm. because the mattress that she made with glacé cherries was actually raw in the middle and so but but you know maybe you could sort of see that as modern art in and of itself Sure. I don't think Paul Hollywood agrees with you. <laughs> Paul Hollywood does not agree with that. Because, um, no. But, you know what, good for her. Good for, good for her for trying. Um, were there any of the breads that were made, the signature, or, well, the showstoppers that were made that looked like, that you didn't think were going to actually, like, stand up? Or was it, like, all of them? Like, all of them. I was actually <laughs> really surprised that, like, any of it. As well as it did, like, the flower that, like, hung upside down, like... That was amazing. That was impressive. I was expecting just, like, this, like, floppy mess with, like, things falling off, and they did a much better job than I probably would have. How do you ensure that the bread doesn't fall? Bake it a lot, I guess. Okay. uh, But, like, make it crusty. Make it really crusty, yeah. And then, but then the, the problem would be whether or not it would taste good, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because that's my thought would be if you like over bake, if you bake it like a little longer than maybe it should go so that it stands up, then it's just going to be kind of gross and like hard and flavorless. Is there a type of bread or dough that you would use for like sculptural technique? I suppose I'd use something like really dry because mm -hmm. I think it would have a lot more structure, like it would stand up better. Um, or something that's mixed a lot that already has a lot of structure, kind of like a brioche. There's a lot of them where I was just like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> like which ones? Um, the dress one. Oh <laughs> yeah, that was a mess. Her idea of haute couture, I was like, no honey. I don't, there was no way that was going to work out. The dress was Flora's dress. Flora made like a weird corset. Yes. With like pan, like panels made out of something involving fennel possibly. It did not look good. And she had these little, uh, little pleats that were like, me, I guess. They were not good. They, it's okay. She tried. She tried. Everybody tries. Everybody tries. Some most fail. I mean, like, I thought the snake one was really well thought out because it's a lot of like, and it looked realistic, but it's also like not particularly complicated. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like a, a loaf of bread that's like curled and, right. you know, has some scales cut into the back of the outside. Like, it's, it was thought out well in a sense that like, it would be somewhat easy to execute really well versus like some of them were thought out, but really almost like the dress. Like, there's no way that was ever going to look good. Bread is different. It's so, <laughs> I think that's why people are so confused by it is because it's not just like put these ingredients together and put it in the oven. It's about, you know, learning to understand yeast and how it affects things and how it's affected by temperature and humidity and all of these environmental factors versus just like combining all the rest things on a recipe and, and mm. baking it. So I think people get overwhelmed because it's different, mm. but it's not, particularly complicated. It's just about understanding kind of the basic principles of, of how it works and how it all goes together. So what are the basic principles of how to make a good bread? I mean, bread in general only has flour, water, salt, and then a leaven, either like store-bought yeast or a sourdough starter. Got it. So it's quite simple. It's only, you know, four ingredients. Right. Can you... You can't really, could you wing, could you like wing it making a loaf of bread? If you have all the basic understanding of like the leavening and all the other shit, could you just like go for it? Like, could I? You, you uh, could I? I guarantee you could. But like, if a, a home cook. No. Okay. I mean, you could, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Like, I think you should start with, with someone else's recipe and kind of get the basics down and start to really understand how, how it all works. Right. And then, well, the thing about bread, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, is that it sort of strikes me as more intuitive uh, than other things in the sense that you kind of, like you might have a recipe, but depending on uh, the flour or how humid it is or things like that, the dough will feel sticky or, or not as sticky. And you sort of have to know exactly, like it won't be the exact same recipe every single day because it'll sort of depend on the other very simple ingredients. Yes, certainly. It's it's all of these like tiny variances in, in the ingredients make a huge impact, just based off like what flour you're using, or where the flour came from, or how old it is, or how you know how your starter is doing, and how old that is, and how warm it is outside, and all these little things affect the quality of your bread. Right, and so like a good baker is one who can then navigate all of those variables, right, and like sort yes. of basically create the same great product day after day. Yeah, yeah, and someone who can understand that, like, you know, we could change the flour on this, but it's going to affect it in all these different ways. We mm -hmm. have to be willing to adjust for that and change different parts of our recipe to kind of get a similar product. Right. Do you like making bread? I love making bread. What do you like about it? 
I like the challenge of like trying to produce something that's consistent every day and, and trying to make it like beautiful and, and delicious. And I really like that it can be like the centerpiece of a meal for people. Like it can bring people together in like a very like humble way. It doesn't have to be fancy and over the top. It can just like, it can like, you know, sit your family around a dinner table and have bread and like it was a really simple meal. That is so true. That is. <laughs>